Well, I guess that's the end of the catchy jingle. Welcome back to the Level Ground Podcast. I'm your host, Grayson Seegers. It's good to be back with you this week. Um, we're here. We're glad. We're, we're happy to be with you. Uh, so many great things going on right now in in the podcast, and, and we're getting ready and getting ramped up and excited about some of these things, and we hope you are. But it's good to be back with you. This is my favorite time of the week to sit down and to record, and I, I don't know who all listens, but in a way, I feel like the listeners of this podcast are, in a way, my family and my friends, and, and I love you guys. And it gives me a chance to talk about the one who died for me. And I am so, so glad that Jesus Christ loved me enough to make me an heir with him, to, to die for my sins. And, and all of this really excites me. And, and I hope that it excites you as well. But before we get into the rest of this, let's go ahead and get into the, um, the housekeeping like we normally do. And uh, don't forget, find us on Facebook. I mean, r- really, we, we really, really would love to see the Facebook grow, and, and we can't do anything about that. We can't grow it. You guys have to grow it. So if you listen and you have Facebook, find us on Facebook, and there is a tab that you'll find on Facebook. Look up the Level Ground Podcast. You'll see the logo. Once you see the logo, go to the page, look at it, and it'll give you. I'm pulling it up right now just so we can tell you exactly where to go. You look. There'll be a blue tab as soon as you click on the podcast. And as soon as you click on the podcast, click promote, or not promote, it says promote on mine. Click like. Once you click like, you follow the page. Once And you are there. You're going to get uh, notifications on everything that we post, especially if you hit hit the icon, hit, hit all these things. And then every time that we post an episode, you get a notification on Facebook and then from there, you can share it, you can comment, you can like there, and it'll take you straight to the Podbean website. You can share it there. You can share the podcast to whoever you want to through Facebook that way. So if you want to share the podcast with people, it makes it a little bit easier to do it that way. Um, also, find us on Instagram, levelground.22. We're going to do the same thing over there, except you're not going to get a link necessarily to the podcast but it will be in the bio and you will be let known or you will be made known of when a new podcast um drops and and what we're going to start doing is taking and giving you kind of a teaser a little bit before letting you know beforehand what's coming uh down the line and that way you can try to figure out you can look at it you can start getting excited uh just like we are uh, also, if you want to reach out to us, reach out to us at levelgroundpod22 at gmail.com. Level ground, just like how it sounds, spell it that way, pod, P-O-D, 22 at gmail.com. Reach out to us there if you want to talk to us. Also, if you need a Bible, if you want a Bible, you know anybody that wants a Bible, you know anybody that may possibly need a Bible sometime in the future, whatever it may be, send them our way. We want to get them a Bible. And honestly, whoever you are, if you reach out, you will be the first one to receive a Bible. Um, and we really do. We want to do this. We want to to spread the word of God any way that we can. And and there is, we won't even, I mean, a lot of places they'll be like, oh, well, you can get a free Bible here. Just pay shipping. You ain't even got to pay shipping. We'll do every bit of it for free. You don't have to worry about it. You just watch the mailbox and wait for it to ship to you. Um, and it don't matter where you're from at all. Um, 
But nevertheless, we've got some great things we want you to be excited for. We sat down this weekend and recorded with our very first special guest, a dear friend of mine. We talked about some subjects there, and we've got two episodes coming in the next couple weeks that hopefully will be a huge help to you, and it'll help all of us in some way, shape, form, or fashion, and they're going to be a little different, something a little different that you guys can listen to to add a little bit of variety into this. But nevertheless, we're back again, and if you're just tuning in on this episode and you have not tuned in on any of the others, you have not listened to any of the others, where we're at, what we... And what we're doing is there's a thought that we had one time while we were preaching called the ministry given to all. And someone asked if I would be willing to do a podcast episode about it. And as I got to thinking and kind of praying on it, I was like, well, you know what? I would love to do one. And also we can break it up into multiple episodes and build and kind of take more time to explain and to go in deep about some attributes that we've got to look at and we've got to cover before we even get to that. Um, and so really a lot of us struggle with what our purpose is in life. What What is our God-given purpose? What has God given us? I can't sing good. I can't, I'm not an eloquent speaker. I'm not this. I'm not that. I feel like I have no purpose when in all reality, God has given every single one of us a purpose. Um, God has given every single one of us a way to work for him no matter what walk of life we come from. And that being said, we really wanted to jump into that because our God-given purpose is important for us to know. And and maybe it'll give us some encouragement to go on day to day. If you sit down and you you get like I do, I get in these places sometimes where I wonder if I've even got a purpose, if there's even a point in me really trying to uh, to continue on. But when I think about what God has done for me and the things that he's asked me to do and the ministry that he's given me outside of preaching um, and the ministry he's given all of us, then it really honestly gives me kind of that push and that, that pick-me-up that I needed. So that's what we're building toward right now. And today we're going to get into, I, I think I mentioned in... Uh, the episode we done about justification, I was like, oh, well, next week we're going to cover what the purpose is or what all of our purpose is. And I went home that night after I recorded that episode and it kind of started growing and God gave us two or three more. And so we're going to try to do those two or three more. And I promise this episode is the last one next week. We will cover what that purpose is. So just go ahead, get ready, strap in. We're going to go for a ride together, and maybe you'll enjoy it as much as I have. But leading up to this point, we have covered reconciliation, how we were separated from God, and how because of sin we were separated from God, and how because of His Son, Jesus Christ, dying on the cross, we were reconciled and brought back to the Father. We've talked about justification. we talked about how that we were guilty of those sins, there was nothing we could do to change it, and a death penalty was facing us. And because of that death penalty, hell was going to be our home. But through Jesus Christ, God's Son, dying on the cross and raising again on the third day, we were able to be justified and granted a full pardon. And and so then we went from that to, why did that happen? Well, it's because of God's mercy and God's grace, and we talked about God's mercy and grace. And today... 
We're going to get into probably the deepest subject in the Bible. We're barely going to scratch the surface. We're barely going to be able to get deep in this thing because there's so much in this topic that we're going to cover today. But first, we're going to look at something. And like I always do, I kind of get something to segue in to the rest of it. This is a story that I found the other night, and we just want to read you this story. This is a true story, and we hope that maybe it helps. But there was a dog uh, named Bear, and Bear was a big furry dog. He's called Bear because he has a head that looks something like a bear's head and a very thick neck and uh, like a bear has. He's black all over except for his paws, which are white. The first few times that the rider saw Bear, he growled at him. And it frightened him, even though his master was standing right there. Bear could hunt quite well in the woods. None of the small animals were safe. Once he decided to track them down, that is, not until he met, quote-unquote, Mr. Porcupine. Bear's strength, his fierce growl, and his great hunting ability didn't do him one bit of good when he met the porcupine. His first scrap with the porcupine was perhaps the most unpleasant. Without the help of his master and the vet, Bear would have died. Since Bear had never seen a porcupine before, you can probably guess how he went after it the wrong way. He uh, pounced on the porcupine and tried to bite him. The quills, uh, the porcupine arched its back so that its quills, which would come out easily, stuck not only into Bear's nose, cheeks, chin, and paws, they also stuck into his mouth and even in his throat. When his master arrived home, he found Bear whimpering in agony and about as sick as any dog could be. His master got a pair of pliers and pulled out as many quills as he could, but the ones in Bear's throat had to be removed by the vet. The poor dog was in pain for at least another week and had to take medicine so the quill punctures wouldn't get infected. What do you think Bear done the next time he saw a porcupine? You wouldn't believe it. He went after it again. He didn't attack quite as forcefully as he did the first time, but he still had to go to the animal hospital and to have more quills removed and have more medicine. This happened six times before he learned to leave the porcupines alone. Now, this dog, as you know how dogs are, dogs might find an animal. He began to bark, and he began to chase this porcupine. And Bear, not realizing what a porcupine was, he jumped on it. He got hurt, and it started a vicious cycle. And no matter how much that his master said, stay away from the porcupine, stay away from the porcupine, he would go and he would find that porcupine, and he would try to hunt that and catch it in its mouth. And how much are we that we are just like Bear was, that when it comes to sin as mankind, when it comes to sin the first time sin ever come about, We bit into it. We went with it. And the only thing that could fix it was something from the master. Uh, And it it required help from the master, from God. And you would think after the first time that man sinned in the garden that we would have learned a lesson. You would have thought that surely we wouldn't go back to it. But time after time after time after time, we've went back to sin. And every time that we have went back to sin, we've got hurt again. Time and time again, requiring attention, not only from our master 
and and from our master, and we needed healing and needed help and needed something to help us. Now, you may be asking yourself, and and some of you that have dogs may be a little different. And I'm not going to get into that. We I live in North Georgia. People have hunting dogs, and I'm not going to talk about what people do to hunting dogs. But most people, if they had a dog, a hunting dog that kept going to porcupines, they'd get rid of it. But time and time again, this dog named Bear went back, and his master loved him so much Bear's owner loved him so much that he was willing to do whatever it took to get him the care that he needed so that he wouldn't die. Today, what we're going to talk about is the love of God, the love of the master toward us. And this is a subject that we felt like we would be very amiss if we didn't cover this. We've hinted around to it, and you can't talk about any of the other subjects that we've talked about here in the last few weeks without mentioning the love of God, but we wanted to talk to you a little bit about the love of God. How that we constantly kept going back to sin, and time and time again we're getting hurt by sin, that God looked at us and said, I'm going to give them the help that they deserve and the help that they need so that they don't get hurt anymore, so that they don't ultimately die. Now, could Bear's master, and we're going to talk about this before we get into the scripture, could Bear's master have went and trapped the porcupine and got rid of the porcupine? Yes. But what would have happened if another porcupine later on had come into that same property? Bear wouldn't have learned anything and would have went right back to that porcupine again and would have got it again. Ultimately, what had to happen was the master had to look at the dog. Master had The master and the owner of the dog had to look at the dog and take care of the dog and not worry about the porcupine. And the same way God has done with us, if God had just got rid of that first sin, he had completely wiped it away, he had completely uh, certain sins every time somebody would, would find one, if he had just boop, get rid of it one at a time, man being the way mankind is, they would have constantly found another sin to fall into. And I know that God is omnipotent. God has all power. He can do away with all sin right now anyways. And he will, praise God, one of these days. But right now, he's turned his attention toward his creation, toward his child, because he loves us and he wants to give us the care that we need, the care that would keep us from an ultimate death, just like we talked about when we mentioned justification. Now, I want us to look at a piece of Scripture. This may not be a very long episode at all, but we're going to do the best we can and get into it, and, and if it's not very long, then then that's fine. We just want to explain to you real quick like what the love of God is. In 1 John chapter 4, 7 through 21, now before we get into the book of 1 John, I do want to say this. I've heard all of my life that if you wanted to learn about love toward one another and love toward God and God's love toward us, go to the book of 1 John and go to any of the uh, uh, epistles 
of John. So the the first first, second, and third John go to any of them. You can find out about God's love, and and I recommend to anybody who wants to study it. If you want to go and study about God's love, first thing you do, study about Adam and Eve and sin. Second thing you do, study about Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross. And then you go from there, and if you just want to segue right into something, if you want to get right into the love of God without studying sin, without studying the crucifixion of Jesus, then go ahead and jump right into the book of First John. But right here in chapter number 4 of 1 John, we're going to start, and we might break this up just a little bit, but it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. So, before we go any further, I think we could take this one verse right here, And we could break it up and we could look at this and we could see that if you worship God, if you believe in God and there is no love in your heart, something is wrong. But if you know God and you have a personal relationship with God and He has saved you from your sins and you are born again, there ought to be a love in your heart. Now, that's not to say this. I've said this many, many times. When God saved you, He didn't command you to like everybody. We're not going to like everybody. You may not like me, and that's okay. But I tell you this, if you're saved, there ought to have been a love put in your heart that you still love me or love whoever that person may be, regardless of if you like them or not. I'm just being honest. If if God judged his feelings all according to who he liked, there's going to be some times, and some of us, and me included, that God would look at me from time to time and say, I don't like you. I don't like what you're doing. I don't like how you're acting. I'm not going to mess with you. And if we based it off of what God likes, then really all of this would be for naught. But we've looked and we've found that just in this first verse of Scripture that it's all about who God loves. And it's all about love. You can't have Christianity without love. And I'm sorry about the water bottle cracking. I didn't realize it was going to do that. But you got to have love one toward another. That The Bible said, and we may get to it here in a second, but the Bible says, you know, you pass from death unto life because you love the brethren. You know something's happened in you And the love of God has taken place in you because you love other people. Now we can look and we can see that in this was manifested the love of God toward us. Because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. So now we find out that the beginning of all of this The love of God was manifested toward us because He sent His Son to die for the to be the propitiation for our sins, just like we talked. Why? Because He loved us, and that we might live through Christ. We're because of the Spirit of God that was put in us when we were saved. We can now live in Christ and be in Christ, and love has an abode. And has taken place in our heart. 
The Bible says, herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. We may sound like a broken record today, and I hope that we don't. But the love of God is amazing to me. How you could look at somebody who is constantly doing wrong. Constantly going back into what you were trying to call them out of. And they had done it so many times and in so many different ways. God had had looked and, and some might say, well, if God was perfect, why did he give the law if he knew the law wasn't going to work? I tell you this, God gave us the law because he knew that we wasn't going to follow it. But he wanted us to know that we couldn't make it through life without him. We couldn't even follow a simple rule. Mankind couldn't. The first man and woman couldn't follow a simple rule not to eat of a tree. He gave ten commandments. Mankind couldn't follow ten commandments. He gave a law that had so many things in a a way that the sins could be not wiped away but covered. Man couldn't uphold that law. And he done all of that not so that not because he's not perfect, not because he's not holy and sovereign and upright and just, but because he is all of those things. He done that to show us that we can't live through life on our own. We can't take and make decisions on our own. And he had love so much toward us that he set this thing up and he created it and made it perfect for us. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. And that should speak for itself. We should look, and if God has loved us, and God does love us, and we know that, we ought to be able to love people. We ought to be able to love the most heinous criminal in the world. We may not like him. We may not like what he does, or she does, or whoever it may be. We may not enjoy what they do. But there ought to be a love in our heart for them. The first telltale sign when I was saved was when I stood up from the altar and I knew that God had made a change in me. I looked and I seen all of these people. And there was a love in my heart there for every one of them, whether I knew them or not. And I can't explain it. I can't explain how it happened. I can't explain what exactly happened to make me that way, except God wrought a miracle in my heart. And that day, He took and moved me from that death penalty and moved me from where I was and how guilty I was and placed me in His Son. And I became an heir and joint heir with Christ. The Bible says, if we love one another, God dwelleth in us. So there's a telltale sign. And his love is perfected in us. Hereby we know that we dwell in him and he in us, because he hath given us of his spirit. And we want to get into this one day, but when you are saved... And we keep mentioning about the things that happen at the very moment of salvation, how that the word salvation, and I may have said this on the podcast, I can't remember, but the the word salvation 
is almost a blanket term. It pretty much covers everything. We've lumped all of these things into salvation, but we've said salvation, 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 that we've almost forgotten what all that entails. There are so many things that happen, and one of the things that happen, not only reconciliation, justification, you get God's mercy, you get God's grace, you get the love of God imparted unto you, but God gives us the Spirit. And the Spirit of God then abides in us and lives in us. Now, before Jesus Christ was crucified on the cross, they, the Spirit of God still worked, still moved, and still done, but the Spirit of God would come and go. The Spirit of God would fall on somebody and would work on somebody or work through somebody, and then the Spirit of God would depart. But we have, as born-again, saved children of God, we have the Spirit of God with us every single day, living in us. And you might say, well, Grayson, I, I don't feel like I've got the Spirit of God living in me. I don't either every day. But I guarantee you, if you find a place where you can get down and you truly ask God to use you, or when God opens the door for you to witness, or God just wants, and you ask God for peace, there's a stirring in your soul, there's a stirring inside of you, that is the Spirit of God moving. The Spirit of the Creator of mankind moving inside of you. And if that don't excite you, your wood's a little wet. But let's look on into some more scripture. And I done lost my place. All right. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. You cannot, we've said it, and we're going to say it again, you cannot be saved. You cannot have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, number one, without believing he's still alive, he rose again from the grave, he died and then rose again, but number two, you can't be saved, you can't be born again, you can't have a way to heaven unless you believe on Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And God dwelleth in him, and he in God, and God dwells then, the Spirit of God then dwells in us. And we have known and believed that the love of God, believed the love of God, I said it wrong again, and we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. And I like this part. God is love and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him so now you see that not only does God love us and hopefully that you can understand this without me even explaining it but I do want to explain it God loves us and has a particular type of love toward us and we'll explain that here in a minute but God has a certain type of love toward us. And then when we believe on His Son, and He saves us and we're born again, then in turn we have a love toward God and a love toward others. Because God is love. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. 
Because as he is, so are we in this world. And I want to say this, there is going to come a day where we have to give an account of the deeds done in this body, whether they be good or bad. We will have to stand before God if you're saved. All man will have to stand before God. But if you're saved, you'll have to stand before God and give an account of everything that you've done. The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. There's going to come a day where I have to answer for every single thing that I've ever done. But I will say this. Even though it is a scary time and it scares me to think of all the things that are going to be brought up to brought up to me that I have not done, that I've neglected to do, that I've done in the wrong frame of mind. And it terrifies me in that. But there's also a peace in this, knowing that God has loved toward me, and because God loved me, He gave me a way out of certain death, and even though I may stand at judgment, and I will stand at judgment, and I will give an account for everything that I've done in my body, whether it be good or bad. I have a hope because of His Son, Jesus Christ, because God loved me enough to send His only begotten Son. The Bible says, John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. God loved me enough, even though I'm going to have to stand before Him and give an account God gave me a way of escape of that awful place called hell, and I will be granted, I will be redeemed fully that day. There is no fear in love, the Bible says. But perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. Now I want to say this without sounding contradictory. The Bible also says, He that feareth is not made perfect in love. I don't fear in my soul what's going to happen when I stand before God. And, and just hear me out. I don't fear in my soul. But I fear in my flesh. Gracing in the flesh. Gracing in my mind the carnal side of me Fears that day of judgment. Fears what I'm going to have to give an account of. And because of that fear inside of me carnally, it does give me a drive to want to do better. But in my soul, I have a peace. Because I know the love of God was shed abroad in my heart, just like the Bible says. I know that God had shed His love and had placed His love in my heart. And in that, I have peace knowing because God loves me, God has given me a way of escape. I have clung to it. I have clinged to it. I have accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior, and therein is love. And that love has cast out all fear in my soul. I no longer fear hell. I no longer fear the judgment of God in my soul, because I know that I am safe. But in this flesh, in this carnal body, in this human body, I do fear standing before God. I don't want no... I, it don't matter who you are. Every human being ever wants to be right about everything. Everything that we do, we think that we try our best to think and to know that we are right in that. 
and we will do anything we can to give an an excuse as to why we were justified in doing those things. And I know that I can try my best and try my very best to do what God would have me to do, but I'm still going to mess up and I'm still going to do things contrary to the will of God for my life. And that's what causes the fear in me. And I want us to look on and look at uh, some other things. And the Bible says, we love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. How deep is that? It's simple, but it's deep at the same time. How many people do we have out here saying, I love God? I love God. God is so great, but we don't like people. We hate people. We despise them. We have no love for them. I don't know how many of you stand, and and I'll just say this about some things. There are things going on in our world right now. That are that sicken me to my core. There's a, a leftist agenda that is being pushed every day that is contrary to the word of God, contrary to the will of God. But if I'm truly saved, even though I don't like what's going on, if I don't love them people, And if I don't want God to save them, if I don't want God to make a better life for them, I'm in the wrong, and I'm a liar. And ergo, I am in sin again. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. And this kind of has taken a different turn Because originally we just want to talk about God's love toward us, but you can't talk about God's love toward us without mentioning how we should have a love of God toward others. And we mentioned that about sins in the world. And I really want to try, and, and the whole, when I was studying this podcast, or studying on this podcast and trying to get it going, I really wanted to not only be real, but I wanted to give a different light to Christianity in a way because so many people for so long have heard Christians saying, oh, that's just terrible, I hate that, that's that's awful, we don't like these people, we don't like uh, this political party, we don't like these people that do these things because of what they do. And that's true, I mean, there's people I don't like. But how often have we heard somebody say, I love them anyways, I just don't like what they're doing. And I've heard this saying all of my life, that you hate the sin, but not the sinner. And just like we talked about in the very first episode of this podcast, how that there's a middle ground there to stand between the love that we need to have toward people and stand firm against things, we ought to be willing to love and love these people enough, who no matter who they are, what lifestyle they live, that if they walked in and sat down at the table with us, 
we ought to be love them enough that we will sit there and we will talk to them. Not condone what they're doing, but also not condemn them. It's not our job to condemn anybody. Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. We ought to have love toward everyone. And I know this is a hard subject and really it hits home for me right now. Because I know for a fact there's certain groups of people, if they sat at a table with me, it would be very hard for me to sit there and talk to them with the love of God in my heart. And without trying to let my flesh rear its ugly head up. But if I sat there with them people and I showed them the love of God, I heard a story one time. A man lived in sin. And he just so happened to go and get coffee with his neighbor. His neighbor happened to be a preacher and he didn't know. And they sat there and they would get coffee and they just began to talk. And as time went on, they talked and they talked and they talked. And eventually the door opened where that preacher, this man's neighbor, could share the gospel with him. And they began to talk about the Bible and talk about the things of God. Then ultimately one day that man who was living in sin realized he was living in sin, realized how bad it was, got right with God, got saved, and turned his life around. And you've heard the saying that sometimes we are the only gospel people will never read. There's some people that will never crack a Bible open. They'll never read Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. But there is a fifth gospel. And that's the life that you live in front of others. And if that life does not contain the love of God, and I'm not saying that our life, ought, and we ought to pretend in life to be God. That's, that's what, what I'm really trying to get here. We ought not pretend to be God, but we ought to show them the love of God. Because we will have to give an account of the deeds done in our body, whether they be good or bad. And if we don't have love toward another person, God, when we stand before God and we give an account, God will bring that to our attention. You remember that one over there that I have commanded you to love? You didn't show love to them. You condemn them, and it's not your job to condemn. And I will say this, that because God loves us, and you might be saying, well, if God is love, why are we going to have to stand before judgment, before Him in judgment? God is love, and just like our parents, there are sometimes that we have done things against our parents, whatever they may be. We've done those things, and there was retribution. There was some kind of... Uh, scolding, I guess you would say, that come from them. But that's all because my parents loved me and they wanted the best for me. And it was tough love. Sometimes God has to have tough love toward us. And sometimes even we as Christians need to have tough love one toward another and toward other people. But it ought to be to where that tough love is not mistaken for hatred. There's never a doubt in my mind that God... I, I never doubt that God loves me. I never think God hates me. Because He loves me. But sometimes when He talks to me, 
and he gets on to me for something that I've done, and I feel convicted about something that I've done wrong, it hurts. But I have to realize that that's God showing his tough love toward me because he wants the best for me. And I hope, I hope that we understand and you understand what we're kind of getting at and what we're kind of working toward today. And and I really hope that you realize that without the love of God toward us and without our, the love of God in our heart toward other people, there's never going to be any change. There's never going to be this world will never change. The church will never grow. Your ministries will never grow. The things you do at the church for the kids, it'll never grow unless you have love, the love of God toward them. And as soon as you meet them, don't go jumping down their throat about what they're doing wrong. How about just telling them and just spreading the gospel, showing them the gospel, talking to them and just making them letting them know that just because we're Christian doesn't mean we're any different than they are. I have news for you. If you think that just because you're saved, you're any different than the worst sinner that there ever was, newsflash, you're no different. You go right now and you take a knife and you cut yourself, or if I were to cut myself right now and you were to cut yourself right now, we'd both bleed red and we'd both bleed the same color. And God sent his son not for a select few, but for whosoever will. Because he loved us. And because he loved us, he extended unto us his grace. He extended unto us his mercy. He extended unto us reconciliation. He extended unto us justification so that we might escape that awful place called Hell. If God didn't love his creation, if God didn't love mankind, at the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sinned, he would have called it quits. He would have ended it right there, ended the world, and that would have been it. But he loved his creation so much that he was willing to fix it. And I I want want us to look at this, and I want us to think about this. And and this is honestly pretty cool, I think, and and I, I could be wrong, But take a man who invents a computer. Say there's a new computer comes out, and this computer, he claims, will do all of these great things. And everybody lines up, they're going to go buy this computer. Say, well, I've got to have this new computer because it is so good. And so thousands of people line up to buy it. They go buy it. Thinking, and even the creator of it, thinks and claims that it's going to be this way, or knows that it'll be this way, and it'll do this, and it has the potential for greatness. Then everybody buys this computer, they go home, plug it in, going to do whatever the task may be. Maybe it's the fastest processor that there's ever been. Maybe it's uh, it has the most storage that's ever been in a computer. Maybe Hey, we'll say this. Maybe this new computer has a hologram feature, and this hologram is going to, that way you'll be able to talk to holograms on the on your computer instead of just a Skype call. I promise you I'm going somewhere with this. 
So I buy this new hologram computer, and I go home and I plug it in, and I'm getting ready to call somebody, and I want to see this hologram of them that's a 3D image, and I'm so excited. And I plug it in, turn it on, call somebody, and all of a sudden there's glitches, there's bugs, and it does not work. It doesn't do what it's supposed to do. I file a claim. I look at somebody. There's something wrong in this computer. This computer has done wrong. And it's not that when it was created that the the creator of this computer done wrong. The computer has the potential to do this in it, but there was just a glitch in the system. And it's not necessarily the creator's fault. And it's not the creator's fault. But you know what the creator does? He loves his product so much. And he's got so much pride in this product that he takes and he offers an update. And then everybody goes and they update this computer and they and the firmware is updated and this, that, and other, whatever. Next thing you know, this computer works great, but it takes time. That's how God is with us. He created us and he gave us the capacity for greatness when we were created. And we messed it up. You look at your iPhone. Your iPhone does all these things, but it needs system updates. There's things that have to change. It's constantly needing renewing. So are we. God, we had the potential for greatness, the potential to do all of these great things. And God seen that. As the creator, looked at his creation and said, it's got the potential. I put it there. I know it can do that. And he had to, if you'd have it this way, and this this is not Bible when I say it this way, but he had to send an update. He said, okay, they messed up in the Garden of Eden. Let's send them the Ten Commandments. Okay, they messed that up. Let's send them the law. Okay, they messed that up. I'm going to fix this once and for all. Let's send them my son. He's going to die and be the supreme sacrifice for their sin. I'm going to wipe their sin away because they've got the potential for greatness. It's there, but they keep glitching. They keep doing wrong. And then he sends his son to die for us. And he knows that that's not the final stage. I'm prepared for the final stage, but there's going to be one of these days that I reach perfection. I get a new body likened unto Christ. And that'll be the final quote-unquote update that I'll ever get. I'll never glitch out again. And God set that up and said, I'm going to solve this problem once and for all. And I'm going to give it to everybody and offer it to all of my creation. You think about the potter. And you you look at Jeremiah chapter 18, and, and we'll go ahead and read this to you. And here's a little fun fact. Um, in 2012 was when I preached my, or I announced my preacher calling, and I announced it on a Monday night of a summer revival. And that next Sunday, I preached my first message, and this was the scripture that I preached my first message on. And I can even tell you right now what my first message was. Close. Jeremiah chapter 18 verses 1 through 6 says, "The word of the." The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again another vessel, as seemed good to the potter to make it. 
Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter, saith the Lord? Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in my hand, O house of Israel. Now, I'm going to go ahead and tell you a fun fact about me. I want you to know me. My first message went something like this. I read this scripture and I said these words. When I mess up, I might be marred in the potter's hands, but he can smash me down and build me back up again a new vessel. That's all the Lord's put on my heart. Something along those lines. And it was a solid five seconds that I stood. But honestly, I, that, that still rings true today. And you think about it. So this potter here was building a vessel. This clay was there in his hand. And he began to make it a vessel. And, and that he forms and molds that clay into what it needs to be. And if something happens to that clay, sometimes the clay might tear, and that's not the potter's fault. If you get it up so high, the clay tears. The potter didn't rip it. The clay tore on its own. And just because it tore, it didn't mean that it was bad clay. He didn't just take and that lump of clay and say, oh, well, it's got a tear in it. I'm going to throw it out and get a new lump. But he took and he, he broke it back down and built it again a new vessel. And that's what God, and, and I believe this, the potter that seen that, he knew that that lump of clay had great potential in it, and it could serve a purpose. And God has done the same thing for you because He loves you. He sees the potential in you, in His creation, and He knows that you have a purpose. You've just got to let Him mold you into what He'd have you to be. And there's going to be times that you tear. There's going to be times that you flop over. There's going to be times that things happen that the clay does, that you as the creation do, that God didn't do. But if you allow God to mold you into another vessel, it will satisfy him. And the Bible says, let's find it right here right quick. And the vessel that the potter made was mar of clay, was marred in the potter's hand, so he made it again another vessel as seemed good to the potter to make it. He took and he, and he changed it and he done what was good and what was best for that clay. God wants to do the same thing to you. Why? Because he loves you. And I guess we went the long way around the mountain to get to this. And really, we didn't realize how good of a segue this was going to be into the next episode. God loved you so much when he created you and when he created mankind that every time mankind became marred in his hand, mankind kept glitching out, mankind kept having bugs in the system, so to speak. He would take, and as a creator, he was so proud of that creation, he kept making it again and making it again and making it again and giving them ways out or giving ways to fix it. And then at the end of the day, he put his fist down and he said, that's it. I'm going to give them one way out. That will be the pure goal. That will be the ultimate end, and they won't have to worry anymore. And God loved you so much, and seeing the purpose in you, and seeing the great potential in you, 
that he's willing to make you again into another vessel. And I don't know who you are, where you're from, what you do, where you live, how you act, what's in your life, what's good in your life, what's bad. I don't know any of that. But every single one of us, man, woman, boy, or girl, no matter where you're from, if you're from the United States, if you're from another country, if you live in Antarctica, if you live at the South Pole, if you live in Timbuktu, if you live in Zimbabwe, if you live in China, wherever you are from, there is a great, great potential for you. God has instilled a potential in you and a purpose in you for greatness. Not for your gain, but for the gain of God, for Christ's gain. for And that purpose was, in, it's ingrained in you. It is in your programming. It is in your DNA. And all you've got to do is accept Jesus Christ and accept the offering of love God has made toward you. And you can achieve that potential. You can achieve that purpose. That's not to say that you'll never mess up again. That's not to say that you'll never be marred in the potter's hand again, but he will make you into another vessel because you'll still have potential. And I feel like that's a good way to go ahead and start landing the plane here. And we've seen that we have potential. We've seen that we've had purpose. We've seen that God loves us. Next week, find out exactly what that ministry and what that purpose is when we come back to the Level Ground Podcast. Don't forget, find us on Facebook, find us on Instagram, send us an email. If you want a Bible, send us a copy of the Bible. But until next time, stay grounded, my friends.